chapter 21, Loaves and Fishes. That night in her own bedroom, Nick spent ten minutes making sure she had set the alarm correctly. While adorable, Amy's white sticker-covered clock was a mystery all its own, mostly because the button labels had worn off. Once Nix was convinced she'd be abruptly awakened at 3.30, she lay down and quietly sang through a few possible audition songs. She wondered if Tiago had gotten around to asking Sarah yet, and whether the musical surveillance idea even would work. Nick smiled. Jordan was right. Predicting the future would come in handy. No need to keep an eye on Sarah at all. Nix could simply tell the police where Pillowhead was planning to strike. Despite the ridiculousness of the idea, the mere possibility sent her mind doing cartwheels. Nix was auditioning on stage. Mrs. Wack appeared with a shotgun. This is for your own good. She pulled the trigger. The auditorium melted into the trailer park. A familiar melody drifted from the far end. The tune pulled her, almost involuntarily, toward a tiny trailer with pink curtains. She'd reached the front door when the singing stopped, and there was a flash of darkness. Nick stood over a sleeping figure she recognized well. The teenage girl with Asian eyes, long dark hair, and enormous eyebrows. Nix felt a swell of sympathy for her. Somehow Nix knew the girl needed protection. Something bad was going to happen to that girl. Although the sun streamed through Nix's cellophane window when she awoke, her teeth chattered violently. Her first thought was a realization that she had actually dreamed. She grabbed the pad of paper she'd left on the floor and wrote the words, Strange singing, trailer with pink curtains, fat eyebrow girl. It wasn't very detailed, but it was all she remembered. Nix doubted the Asian girl lived at the far end of the trailer park. Nix would have seen her going and coming from school, but it wouldn't hurt to check it out, see if there really was a pink-curtained trailer, and figure out who lived there. Wait, the sun was up. Why hadn't she awoken at 3.30? She must have set the alarm wrong. Except Amy's clock was no longer on her nightstand. It wasn't on the floor or in the closet. She even checked under her mattress, but only found a wad of old duct tape. Toad yawned innocently at the foot of the bed. Something strange was going on. Nix dressed quickly and went out to the kitchen where her mother puttered around in her sleeping sweats, holding a mug. Mom, have you seen a white alarm clock with heart stickers on it? Mrs. Wax set down her coffee so abruptly at least half of it sloshed out. You trying to be funny? I thought you learned your lesson last time. Last time? What was she? Then Nix remembered. Two years ago, she'd found a working clock radio in someone's junk pile and brought it home. Trouble was, the alarm could never seem to wake Nix up. Mrs. Wack had gotten tired of it blaring unheeded every morning and finally smashed it against the dumpster. Oh no. Nix ran out to the trailer park garbage container and began digging through the trash. She pretended not to notice the disgusted looks from her neighbors. After an hour of searching, she'd only recovered about half the pieces. Soon the heat of the morning sun began to do funny things to the trash smell, and it grew more difficult to suppress her gag reflex. A stocky lady in a stained bathrobe approached Nix with a curious expression. What? Hadn't these people ever lost something in the trash before? You'd think she was digging through the dumpster for fun. Nix felt sick, and it wasn't the cooking garbage fumes. Her mother had destroyed Amy's alarm clock. Why did she have to be so destructive and crazy? Why couldn't Nix have had a mom like Mrs. Padilla? Sweet, intelligent, and rational? Nix had given up looking for pieces when she noticed the bathroom lady having trouble with her garbage bag. The woman held a baby in one arm and was trying to maneuver the trash over the side with her free hand. Nix was about to offer assistance when the bag ripped on the corner of the dumpster, spilling trash everywhere. Nope. Nix ignored her charitable impulse and headed toward the wax-battered boxcar. On any other day, she would have helped the lady. But if Nix spent any more time swimming in garbage, she'd be late for school. You know this wasn't my clock. 
Nix deposited the pieces on the kitchen table. It belonged to Jordan's little sister. I tried to ask you how to turn it off, but you wouldn't budge. I shut it up the only way I knew how. Maybe take the batteries out? What am I going to do now? Give her the pieces? Mrs. Wack picked up an unwilling kitten and stroked it roughly. Guess you'll have to buy her a new one. Has Mr. Dibble given you that raise yet? I haven't seen him very much lately, Nick said through pursed lips. Mrs. Wack held the cat's limbs so it wouldn't scratch her. Nix, is there something you want to tell me? What are you talking about? I'm your mother. I should know everything that's happening with you. Everything. Nick swallowed. You already do. If I think of anything, I'll let you know. Mrs. Wack stared at Nix a moment. I noticed you're getting low on cat food. The kitten hissed and started swiping with its one free paw. I want you to get the nutritional stuff this time. No excuses. If you don't have enough money, you'll have to sell some of your things. Fine. Nix trudged to the cupboard. It was empty. Nix rested her head against the cupboard door. Where's the baby food? Mrs. Wack finally dropped the furious cat. I've noticed that diet hasn't helped you much, so I think we'll just try skipping breakfast for a while. By we, of course she meant Nix. Whatever. Nix retreated to her room and screamed into her pillow. How much longer could she stay in this house? Her mother was hard enough to live with, but what would happen when the cat food ran out and Nix still hadn't gotten rid of the little beasts? She certainly wouldn't be going to musical rehearsals or solving mysteries. But was she ready to implement Plan B? She'd put it off, hoping a less risky idea would come to her. Tipping the neighbors off to their cat's whereabouts could result in a riot, or even the police getting involved. But Nix had to do something. Maybe the neighbors would be so happy to have the cats back they wouldn't press charges. And anyway, how could anyone prove the cats were actually stolen? Mrs. Wack would say they wandered over on their own, somehow losing their collars and ID tags along the way. Plumpers! Mrs. Wack called from the kitchen. Tomorrow I want you to deep clean the carpet in addition to the baths and nail trimming. And also board up the broken windows. Sylvia's husband brought some plywood by yesterday. Nix had forgotten she couldn't pretend to be at work on her day off from the taco stand. The thought of going back to her old life of feline slavery gave her heartburn. Suddenly getting rid of the cats seemed worth all the risk in the world. First phase of the plan was to sneak the phone book out of the house without detection. That was relatively easy since Mrs. Wack spent 45 minutes every morning putting on her makeup. Since Nix was already too late for a slow walk to school and didn't feel like arriving with pit stains, she swallowed her pride and caught the bus. The heckling seemed twice as bad since the kids had a summer to develop creative new names for her. But Nix kept her head down and searched the phone book, circling the numbers of those in her neighborhood with missing cats. Eventually, the shouts of Thunder Thighs and Waxzilla faded into a general buzz of kids working off their sugar cereal. When the bus pulled into school, Nix had found most of the phone numbers. You got bricks in there? Jordan asked after Nix dropped her backpack onto the desk in front of him. Apparently, Tiago had spoken with Ms. Winkle. Her new philosophy was, you can sit by your friends until it gets to be a problem. Then, she'd find you some new friends. Nix, Jordan, and Tiago had determined to be very careful not to get caught talking. New plan to evict the cats, Nix whispered while Ms. Winkle greeted the classroom. Tell you later. But on the way to gym, it was Jordan doing the talking. You win. Win what? I'll audition with you. Nix grinned. That's great. So it finally started to look like more fun? Hardly. Try my dad grounded me for two more months after his talk with Vice McPsycho. Doesn't that mean you have to go right home after school? Grounding doesn't include extracurricular school activities. Singing and dancing is the only way to get out of babysitting duty for the next two months. 
Nix dropped the smile. Many thanks for your noble sacrifice. Iago laughed, startling Nix. He hadn't realized he was walking with them. Automatically, Nix's legs slowed until they were in tandem with Tiago's. What did Sarah say about auditioning? she asked. Tiago glanced over his shoulder. I haven't been able to get her alone. Mom's acting weird and clingy, like she's worried I'm losing interest. Are you? Nix asked before she could stop herself. Well, Tiago said, his voice barely audible over the din of the hallway. She suspected since the party that Sarah's trying to steal me away. Truthfully, I've never been super into her. Are you crazy? Jordan said. How could you not be into her? She's like a ten. Tiago shrugged. Jordan rolled his eyes. What's the use of being good looking if you're not going to capitalize on it? Tiago put a hand to his chest. Aw, you think I'm hot? More adorable than hot, Jordan said. Girls like that for some reason. It was all Nix could do not to chime in with her well-considered opinion. Alfie! Speaking of the King of Rome, Tiago mumbled. Jordan furrowed his eyebrows. Come again? Nix didn't need to turn around. If the nickname hadn't been enough, the flowery fragrance was unmistakable. Tiago plodded toward his waiting girlfriend. See you at lunch, maybe. Tiago's premonition was correct. At lunch, he and Fawn were nowhere to be seen. That was just as well. Nick still had a few private matters to discuss with Jordan. Somehow they hadn't had more than a few moments to talk since first period. Wednesday seemed to be the unofficial summer-is-over time-to-get-serious-about-school day. The homework from the first few hours alone was enough to keep her up all night. We're sophomores, for Flipper's sake, Nick said when Jordan sat down with his food tray. According to Walter Snodgrass, we're getting two take-home algebra tests. Jordan bit off half his corn dog. They're just pre-tests to see how much you know already. The teachers pretty much want us to do awful, so they'll feel better about how much they told us by the end. Still takes up time. Not all of us have the math book memorized. Speaking of unusual talents, Jordan put down his corn dog and leaned in. How did last night go? Any dreams of the future? Nix poked at her green beans. What's wrong? Jordan asked. Is it bad? Is someone going to die? Nix didn't take her eyes from the plate. Only if I finally lose it with my mom. She broke Amy's clock. What? Why? Nix put a hand on her forehead to cool it. I remember now why I don't have an alarm clock. They don't usually wake me up. I guess my mom heard it blaring at three o'clock and tried to turn it off. But, well, you know how she is. I found a few pieces in the dumpster. Double wowza. I'll get Amy a new one. It might be a little while. It's fine, Jordan said. I told you she doesn't really need one. Still. Jordan popped the other half of the corn dog in his mouth and extracted the stick with a flourish. So, how are you going to catch yourself dreaming? Actually, I did remember something when I woke up at six. Someone in a trailer with pink curtains? They were singing. I think it has something to do with... She trailed off. Every time she mentioned her dream girl, it embarrassed her for some reason. Jordan didn't seem to notice the half-spoken sentence. That doesn't sound very earth-chattering. You're supposed to be predicting stock market booms and natural disasters. Are you sure you couldn't just take a nap at my house this afternoon? I won't be able to fall asleep, Nick said in a low voice. I stopped taking naps when I was five. I guess there's only one other thing to do. Jordan emptied his milk container and wiped his mouth. I'll have to spend the night. Right, our parents would love that. Nix, this is big. If we catch you dreaming about something important, this could change the world. And if I stayed over, I could keep waking you up every hour or so. That would give us like eight chances to write down your dreams. Sounds like fun, being startled awake every hour to be peppered with questions. Nix, we have to try it at least once. 
I'll sneak out after my dad's in bed. Leave your door open for me. It sounded like another way to get grounded, but Nix never could resist Jordan's enthusiasm. Besides, it felt good that he had so much confidence in her, that he thought of her as talented. She couldn't let him down. Fine, but don't tell Tiago. I don't want him to think I'm nuts. I'm sure he'd think it was cool, but whatever. Promise? It's our dirty little secret. Don't say that. I'm already feeling guilty enough for sneaking a boy into my room. If we get caught, I'll pretend I broke in to steal something. Yeah, right. Like I'd send you to jail to avoid a lecture. Granted, it would be about six hours long. A senior with dreadlocks clapped his hands on their shoulders. Jordan and Nix jumped. I don't care what anyone else says, the boy announced loudly. You guys got guts. He strutted off, laughing. Nix and Jordan exchanged looks. Someone yelled something like that down the hall this morning, Jordan said. Luke's probably telling everyone we're going to fight him after school. Perfect. As soon as you're done getting your nose broken, you can ask him what size foot he has. I'll try to rip off his shoe and check the tag while he's pounding me, Jordan said. What are we going to do after school? You coming over? I was hoping you could help me with... Nix abruptly stood and whispered, Beryl is headed this way with her tray, and I really don't feel like dealing with her right now. Jordan followed Nix to dump her lunch. So what do you need help with? I don't have time to go over the whole plan now, but I think you'll enjoy your part in it. Come on, Jordan said, whacking his tray loudly so as to drown out their conversation. No one can hear. He smiled his mischievous smile that was impossible to resist. I need you to call my neighbors and tell them where their cats are, she said under her breath. I'd do it myself, but people would recognize my voice. Jordan's eyes bulged. I think I just peed a little. All through English and history, Nix had to remind Jordan they weren't going to talk about it until the walk home. Nix didn't want to take a chance on being overheard, and she especially didn't want either of them to earn after-school detention. When they strolled into home economics, however, they forgot all about Mrs. Wack and the cats. At first, Nix thought there was some kind of rally going on. Students covered every surface and lined the walls. Okay, students, Miss Winkle said. Find a seat anywhere you can or stand if you want. Was this her real subject or was she substituting again? Nick spotted Tiago sitting on a desk near the back and steered Jordan in that direction. Tiago scooted over to make room. Nix ended up with only half as much table space as her butt needed, but she braced herself against the wall and concentrated on not falling off. At least the three of them were sitting together. It soon became apparent that Ms. Winkle was not substituting. Her voice sparkled as if she'd been born to talk about cooking and sewing. Even with the classroom full to bursting, Ms. Winkle enjoyed absolute silence as she introduced her subject and explained, for those that had recently added the class, what to expect this semester. She made it sound like one long party. No wonder the room was packed. Nix was surprised to see several of the students that had been in chemistry with her. Apparently Jordan and Nix weren't the only ones with a low McGuckin threshold. Jordan nudged her elbow and pointed toward the corner. Nix lawed out a quiet groan. Danny and Loaf stood against the wall, their faces drawn into their usual tough-guy scowls. Nick studied Loaf's build for a moment. Could he really be the one that slammed the door into her and escaped out the window? And what had he meant to say with that note? "'Today we're going to have our first baking project,' Ms. Winkle said. "'But first, Heidi is going to share our current event.' Nick shot Jordan a quizzical look. "'Who ever heard of current events in home ec?' Heidi moved to the front of the classroom with a copy of the town newspaper. Her hair streaks were fluorescent today. Nix had to admit she'd never expected anyone to look pretty with green and orange hair. On the front page of the crier, Heidi said, there is a story about two suspected. Ms. Winkle stepped to Heidi's side and whispered something. Heidi blushed a little. She flipped through the newspaper and scanned a different article. 
Here's one about the local crime rate. It says that over the last two years, drug trafficking, burglary, and vandalism have risen steadily, actually surpassing the national average. Does everyone understand what that means? Ms. Winkle said. Someone mumbled something in the front row. That's right, Ms. Winkle said. For the number of people living in Woods Cross, it has more crime than most places in the U.S. You can continue, Heidi. Well, it just says how the crime rate seems to be affecting the community. Heidi appeared to be scanning furiously for something profound to end on. Many Woods Crossians feel the rise in law-breaking has resulted in an atmosphere of distrust and isolationism. Excellent, Heidi, Ms. Winkle said. That was an unusually insightful article for the crier. I'm glad you picked it. Heidi sat down looking way too pleased with herself. Okay, let's break into groups for... Ms. Winkle stopped as if she'd remembered something. Actually, I want to say something else about the article Heidi read. Yago mimed falling asleep. Nix looked at the clock on the wall. Class was almost a third of the way over already. They'd better get started on the cooking soon. Isolationism? She said, her voice changing a little. Means doing things on your own, not helping others, and not asking for their help. Does that sound like a very healthy community to you? Class stared at the teacher with vacant expressions. How many of you like what's cross? She asked. Go on, raise your hands. Is that all? Okay, there we go. Tiago, Jordan, and Nix had their hands up, for Nix's part, only to get the lecture over quickly. While it was true she liked her town well enough, she had liked it a lot better a few years ago. I'm speaking to you that love this town, those who really care about what happens to it, Ms. Winkle said, cooking apparently forgotten. The only way this community is going to change is for us to change. I'm not saying we're the ones breaking into houses and vandalizing, but if each one of us looked outside ourselves and helped those around us, people would start to care again. Students were whispering. Strange that Ms. Winkle would have them eating out of her hand, then blow it all on a be-nice lecture. So each of you, Ms. Winkle continued, her voice rising over the talking, look back at what you did today. Was there anything that you could have done differently? Someone who could have helped or been kind to? If you'd done it, would you have made Woods Cross a better place for that person? Now the class wasn't bothering to whisper. Loaf and Danny had already found someone to torment, giving Walter matching friction burns on each arm. Looks like Ms. Winkle's lecture had made a big impact on them. Well, thank you for your patience. Ms. Winkle strode toward the kitchen area. I wasn't expecting to take that long on current events. Now, if you'll split into five groups and meet me in the kitchen areas, it's time to make some biscuits and gravy. Students scrambled to get into groups. That was always the part Nix hated most. Standing around watching friends find each other and then forcing herself on the smallest, nerdiest group. Maybe it would be different with Tiago as a friend. Jordan jumped off the table. What was that about? No kidding, Tiago said. Danny and Leaf are the only ones that needed to hear that. Look back at what you did today. He laughed. Unexpectedly, an image flashed in Nix's mind. Beryl walking toward them with a tray of food. But that wasn't being mean, was it? It's not like they told her she couldn't sit with them. They just left. Who would blame Nix for not wanting to deal with a girl who sewed awkwardness like parade candy? Still, Nix might have at least said hi, or asked how she was liking Woods Cross before running off. Maybe the next time she saw Beryl, she'd try to be a little more civil. You coming, Nix? Jordan and Tiago already stood in the closest kitchen pod. Nix joined them, but was now thinking of the woman with the baby. How long would it have taken Nix to help her pick up the garbage? Ms. Winkle was right. Maybe Woods Cross's problems wasn't so much the criminals as the residents' apathy toward each other. But even if Nix did try to look outside of herself, as the teacher put it, how much good could that do? 
She might make a couple people feel better, but it certainly wasn't going to change the town. Ms. Winkle's plan didn't seem very practical. These are cool, Tiago said. Each pod came with a sink, oven, and fridge, almost like a tiny apartment. The spatial constraints became even more pronounced as 15 more students squeezed into their pod. Apparently, Tiago was the coolest person in the class, and therefore defined the pod to be in. Kids clamored to get further into the kitchen so they wouldn't be herded into one of the other four areas. But Ms. Winkle didn't seem to notice or care that one group vastly outnumbered the others. She explained where to find the recipes in the book and went around to help people get started. Cooking with Jordan and Tiago was far more entertaining than Nix expected. She mostly watched. With 19 cooks in the kitchen, you had to be pretty assertive to touch the food. Nix laughed as Tiago deciphered the abbreviations in the book and Jordan struggling to keep pushy Spaniard-hungry girls at bay. When are you Americans going to learn the metric system? Tiago asked as he scanned the book. This fractional cut method is barbaric. Can anyone even tell me how many T's are in a table? Doesn't matter, Jordan said. Just dump some in. We've only got 15 minutes and we haven't even started baking our biscuits. Pod 3 is already eating theirs, one girl said with a scowl. It wouldn't hurt our feelings if you defected, Jordan replied. But once you leave Tiago's super chef group, there's no coming back. The girl rolled her eyes but kept her complaints to herself after that. No one blamed her for staying. Being in close proximity to Tiago was worth failing the class. Whoa, Mr. Padilla, said Ms. Winkle. That's plenty of cornstarch. Where's your fourth cup measure? Jordan pointed to the pile of dishes in the sink. You've got to keep up on those or you'll have a big job at the end. While Tiago burned his tongue on the gravy, Nix joined a somber Heidi at the sink. Already, Nix could tell home economics was going to be her favorite class, even if most of what they made wasn't edible. Hi, Heidi. Heidi looked startled, both to be spoken to and for the help with the dishes. I really like your hair. Heidi didn't answer, but she did nod slightly. After that, she didn't seem quite so mopey. As expected, the biscuits turned out rock hard, and the way-too-fishy tuna gravy ended up the same consistency as mashed potatoes. But no one complained, since Tiago was the one who handed out the steaming plates. Nick stared at him as she munched on her coffee-colored stone. That boy could do anything he wanted in life. How would it feel to be unstoppable? What would it be like to know you were the girl he chose and he belonged to you forever? No. She promised herself she'd stop obsessing over him. She quickly looked away and attempted to quell the wave of self-pity trying to drown her. Coincidentally, what she saw distracted her nicely. Loaf had his foot up on the counter, trying to tie his shoe with one biscuit-free hand. Jordan, Nix whispered, I'm going to go tie Loaf's shoe for him and try to see the size. But at that moment, Loaf put down his food and finished the job with two hands. Never mind. Wait, Jordan said. I've got an idea. He grabbed a bag of flour, pretended to stumble across the room, and dumped flour all over Loaf's feet. Oh, I'm sorry, Jordan said. Here, just pop that shoe off and I'll wash it for you in the sink. The look on Loaf's face sent Nix frantically scanning the room for the teacher. Was she close enough? Could she prevent Loaf from administering the impending clobbering? Oh, flip. Ms. Winkle was at the far pod, collecting plates into a garbage bag. Nix turned just in time to see Loaf drive his meaty fist into Jordan's stomach. A few girls squealed in surprise but the wolverine growl sounded before anyone could really figure out what was going on. Nix fought the flow of students to get to Jordan. Are you okay? Thankfully, Loaf had disappeared into the crowd. Jordan remained doubled over for a few moments, apparently unable to speak. Nix looked around for Tiago, but from the faint flowery scent lingering in the room, he had already been collected. Oh, at least it wasn't the mouth, Jordan said without looking up. Do you really think he was going to take his shoe off and let you wash it? Not really. I'm going to tell the teacher he punched you. No, don't, 
Jordan straightened and rubbed his abdomen. It's more important that... Wait, don't step on it! Nix noticed the faint outline of a sneaker in the floor. You sure it's his? I've been watching it since his foot left. Get something to measure it. Nick scanned the room, but didn't see any rulers lying around. The last couple students filed out into the hall, and Ms. Winkle began putting food back into the fridges. How did your biscuits turn out, guys? She called with her arms full of half-used butter sticks. Great, Nick lied. She didn't know exactly how Ms. Winkle would be grading them, but it probably wouldn't be a good idea to admit the hockey puck-like density of their first project. Hey, do you have a ruler we could use? There's a tape measure in my desk. Actually, about 50. Next semester, we're sewing tote bags. Nix scurried to the desk, but before she could get the drawer open, she stopped dead. On top of the desk lay the newspaper Heidi had taken her current event from, Wednesday's issue of the Woods Cross Crier. In bold letters, the headline read, Cross High Students Suspected in Midland Fire. Nix's fingers trembled as she smoothed the paper and read. Halfway down the first paragraph, two names popped out of the print bringing on a surge of nauseating panic. Jordan Frost and Phoenix Whack.